it wasn't so much a surprise as a relief. And it's not a relief in that, oh boy, I have MS. It's more a relief in that, oh boy, I have answers. I know what's going on and why it's going on. So we can begin to address it. If you are diagnosed with MS, find a neurologist that you love because you are going to marry that doctor. Everyone has a story to tell, and we invite you to join us for the Multiple Sclerosis Diagnosis Journey podcast and listen to these unique stories. Greetings and welcome to the MS Diagnosis Journey podcast. I'm your host, Laura Kulaskowski, and today we have a special guest with us, Kyle Warrendorf. Hi, Kyle. Hello, Laura. Thanks for taking the time today to talk with us and share your story. Like I ask everyone with this podcast, what was it that originally set you to the doctor thinking something might be wrong that was needed further investigation? I had been on vacation on Nantucket. And on Nantucket, you don't drive anywhere. You ride bikes or walk everywhere. So we had been fairly active, biking and hiking all over the place. And then when we came home, I sort of fell apart. The first indication was a cognitive one. We had gone to Costco, and I had this rather large box, and I couldn't figure out how to turn the box to get it into the door of my apartment. And I just found myself staring at this box, unable to figure out how to maneuver it. And my girlfriend was looking at me going like, just move the box. And I I couldn't. Well, we got the box in and she left and I was tired. I sat down on the couch and I closed my eyes and I woke up three hours later. And Things sort of went downhill from there over the course of the next week or two. I I started having double vision. I started being unable to maintain my balance. Um, I could not walk in a straight line. I had no energy whatsoever. If I got up to go to the kitchen to get a glass of water, I had to come back and take a nap. So I knew something was wrong, and that's when my investigation started. So was that enough to send you to a doctor or did you try to be the tough guy as a man and wait it out? I think that that because the symptoms came on incrementally, it wasn't like all of a sudden all of the symptoms were there. They came on over the course of, of a week or two. And by the time they were all fully present, I said, I got to go see the doctor because I couldn't walk straight. I couldn't, you know, if I was walking from my apartment to the subway in New York City, I had to walk along the buildings because I needed to brace myself. Um, And at the time, I also had to hold my head at this strange angle so that the double vision was, was accommodated. I just knew that there was something bad was going on and and there was not going to be any toughing it out. Yeah. So did you begin with seeing a primary care physician or did you go straight to a neurologist? No, I went to see my primary care doc. And 
she did an exam. I explained all the symptoms. I also explained that I had just come back from a rather active vacation. And it was at this point, late August, early September. So it was hot out. And she suggested that she thought that I was just dehydrated and recommended that I force fluids and take it easy for a while. A week after you return or two weeks after you return, she's still thinking you're dehydrated from that trip? Yes, that's correct. Okay. Yeah. And God bless her. As I'm getting up to leave her office, she says, just in case, go see this neurologist and have these MRIs done. And the MRIs were of my brain C-spine and T-spine with and without contrast. So I took the, the neurologist's name and number. And, you know, within a few days, I went and had the MRIs done and went and saw the neurologist. I bring my girlfriend to the neurologist appointment. She does the clinical exam and it was comical. I mean, she said, you know, do the extend your arm and touch your nose. And I landed on the top of my head, you know, and when she took me out of the hall and said, walk a straight line, I'm bouncing off the walls. So every test that she gave me clinically, I failed. And then she took a look at the, at the radiology report from the MRI. And she looked at me and said, I am 85% certain you have multiple sclerosis. I'm not, and then God bless her, she said, I am not an MS specialist. You need to see an MS specialist. And that was the next step on the adventure. I went and looked at the hospital where I get most of my medical care and got a name. I also contacted a friend of mine who was the department chair of a department at that hospital, and he gave me the same name. So I went and saw this MS specialist and had a spinal tap, a lumbar puncture done um, to see if there were the unique O-bands in my spinal fluid. And sure enough, I, there they were. So between the MRI, which showed old and new lesions, the clinical exam, and the presence of unique of O-bands unique to my spinal fluid, it was as close to a smoking gun as you can, can get in terms of diagnosing multiple sclerosis. So you heard that she was, this neurologist was 85% certain did the other 15% of doubt, were there tests done to rule those things out? I'm thinking and specifically some things like you know, Parkinson's or stroke or Lyme disease. Of course, none of those would show up in the O-bands, though. No, you know, given her level of certainty and, and my next appointment being with an MS specialist, the next test that was ordered was the, the lumbar puncture. Uh, and when the unique O-bands showed up, that pretty much sealed the deal. There was never any investigation of anything else. And, 
I had done some reading on the internet and I was pretty sure before I even saw the first neurologist that it was multiple sclerosis. Everything just lined up and the, and the, the available tests just confirmed it. Besides your research on the internet, were you familiar with MS? Like, did you know other people that had multiple sclerosis? Marginally. I knew growing up that one friend's mother had MS um, and had been wheelchair bound for as long as I, I'd known her, which was basically all my life. Um, and my brother's sister-in-law has primary progressive MS, but was not overtly or overly familiar with, with MS. So you had a little bit of exposure to the disease, but not much. So were you surprised to hear there was MS? Doesn't sound like it with you having done your own research. No, the only surprising thing was that, you know, I fit into, you know, the smaller demographic category. Typically, I, you know, at the time it looked like MS was a disease that affected young women. You know, 80% of the people diagnosed with MS were young women. And I was certainly not a young woman. Um, I was a 50-year-old guy at the time. Um, so that was the only sort of surprising thing. But as, as I'm sure you have heard from others that you've talked to about this, it wasn't so much a surprise as a relief. And it's not a relief in that, oh boy, I have MS. It's more a relief in that, oh boy, I have answers. You know, I, 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 I know what's going on and why it's going on. So, so we can begin to address it as opposed to not having the diagnosis and still having the symptoms. Then, you know, your mind goes to all kinds of different places. Yeah, now I think you mentioned to me when we were prepping for this interview that perhaps you had symptoms of MS prior to this exacerbation coming off of the trip to Nantucket. Yeah, when I was diagnosed, we did a little digging into my medical history. And 20 years before I was diagnosed, I had an episode where I lost feeling gradually in both of my legs. And it came up to just about my knees. And it was complete loss of feeling. I couldn't tell that I was standing up, for instance, because I couldn't feel my feet. And at the time, I went and I had MRIs done. And I saw my, took them to my primary care doc. And he, he reviewed them with a neurologist. And they did not see and I don't know whether this is based on MRI technology that was available at the time, but they didn't see anything that was specifically indicative of MS. And they determined at the time that it was a variant of Guillain-Barre syndrome. And eventually the symptoms subsided. And I think that the lack of any evidence in the MRI and the fact that it's bilateral or was bilateral, which is not the norm in MS, that didn't come up. And as the symptoms subsided, I just sort of got on with my life. And about 
I'm going to say, I don't know, 10 years after that, I just had a hip replaced. And I noticed that when I was walking, my right foot didn't want to follow. If I turned left, my right foot just sort of kept going straight. And went back and saw the hip doctor. And he said, everything's in place. There's no software damage. There's no hardware damage. And he just, he didn't have an answer for it. And once again, the symptoms subsided. My right foot started following again. And about a year after that, I had this itch on the back of my shoulder. And no matter what I did, I couldn't make this itch go away. I mean, I could use the coarsest grit sandpaper and nothing made this itch go away. So I went and saw a dermatologist. And she did tests and she took scrapings and looked for all kinds of things and couldn't find anything. And as with the two previous episodes, the itch went away. And so I didn't think twice about it. And all during this time, and, and I don't, you, know, you tell me if I'm crossing into the too much information, <laughs> I started having both some urinary issues and some erectile dysfunction issues. And I went and saw a neurologist at one point. He couldn't find anything specific. But those symptoms sort of lingered. But they were never to the point where I considered doing further investigation. And when I finally came back from Nantucket that summer and went through the, the MS diagnosis process and was sitting with my now new MS doctor, he connected all of those dots. And he said each one of those was very likely to have been an MS exacerbation. But they were so, at the time, insignificant. And because they remitted completely, I never bothered to pursue any further diagnostic investigation. Right. If it goes away, we figure the problem is gone, right? Right. And, and it never, at the time, would, I mean, MS never, never even crossed my mind. It was never, never a thought that these remotely distant things could possibly be connected. Well, it's interesting because even though you talk about your diagnosis happen, happening fairly fast, when you started down that road, it actually didn't. If you look back 20 years and think, well, you saw doctors, but it resolved and you were better and then you weren't better and then you were better again. So that's really quite a journey, Kyle, you've been on. Do you have any advice for people who are listening to this thinking, I wonder if I have MS? The, the advice that I would give people is that more often than not, the initial phases of an MS diagnosis is going to involve more than one doctor, more than one kind of doctor. Because as, I, as I've mentioned, the, the symptoms can be disparate. You know, you would never necessarily connect a problem with your left leg with a problem with your vision. But because you're going to be seeing a lot of doctors, be your own advocate. Nobody else cares but you. So don't be afraid to be the squeaky wheel. 
don't be willing to be dismissed by doctors. Be forceful, be assertive, and get the information that you need. Ultimately, at the end of the day, if you are diagnosed with MS, find a neurologist that you love because you are going to marry that doctor. My first MS specialist was a nightmare, and I fired him. My second MS neurologist is a godsend, and I have been with him for 11 years. But even with my current doctor, I am not afraid to press for answers. If I don't think I'm getting the information that I need, I stand up for myself. And, and it's important that, that you do that because no one else is going to stand up for you. You're one patient out of however many that this doctor is seeing. Be your own advocate. That's, that's the most important thing that I can stress. And I think that's a, something that we've heard over and over from all these interviews that I've done. And hopefully anyone listening is taking this advice to heart. So there you have it. We've been talking to Kyle Warndorf today about his MS diagnosis journey. And I had to smile when you said you heard the answer and thought, oh boy, I have answers now, because you're absolutely right. And knowing what's wrong, you can face it, move on. So I'd like to thank you, Kyle, for taking the time today and sharing your journey with us. And I think the listeners will find this really useful. Happy to talk to you, Laura. And I am glad we've had the chance to chat. <laughs>